morning, Paul. Good morning. Come in. You're looking well. Have a seat. Uh, what's 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 been going on? Oh, Doctor Hot Dog Vendor. I was um. You know how you told me to get a new interest. I, I've been um. I've, oh, I've yeah. become really interested in lizards. Oh, oh my goodness. That's that's great news. You've got a new hobby, a new interest. Uh, so um. Uh, any any particular lizards you've become quite fond of at all? Uh, oh, there's the bearded dragon, there's um, the Komodo dragon, the, the blue oh. tongue lizard, the broad tailed gecko, um, there's Burton's legless lizard, Bino's oh, gecko is one of my favourites, the oh, eastern God. bearded dragon, the water dragon, um, the water skink, the garden skink, the gecko, oh, the shingle, shingle back. I just love them, oh. they're great. That's, that, that, that's quite the list of uh, interesting lizards, Paul. I can't... Uh, is there any ones that you are not a fan of at all? I don't like the monitor. Oh, that's interesting. So what you're telling me is your anti-monitor. Ooh, ah, that's... DC OCD, the DC Events podcast where we're looking at every single DC event in order from 1985's Crisis on Infinite Earths all the way up to whatever we get to. And at the moment, we are stopping in 2015 to look at the Dark Side War, which is a little event written by Jeff Johns, most of the art done by Jason Fabok, uh, letters by Rob Lee, colours by Brad Anderson, and edited by Brian Cunningham. And this covers Justice League uh, Volume 3, 40 to 50, so those uh, those issues, 11 issues. And it also includes the Dark Side War special, and it had the Dark Side War Batman special, the Dark Side War Flash special, the Dark Side War Green Lantern special, the Dark Side War Shazam special, the Dark Side War Lex Luthor special, and the Dark Side War Superman special. So what is this event about? Well, everyone wants to kill Darkseid. That's the, the, the story of this one. So, um, yeah, as is often the case, if you want to kill Darkseid, you go and sleep with Darkseid and have a baby, um, and then you raise that baby with the plan to kill Darkseid. And that's what um, an Amazon woman did called Marina Black, and she had a baby called Grail, and Grail's now old enough to kill Darkseid, and they do that by bringing back the anti-monitor, and the anti-monitor uh, kills Darkseid. Um, everyone gets powers then. It's a bit like an Oprah special. You get powers, you get powers, you get powers. Um, and all these Justice Leaguers become like gods. And then um, then the uh, anti-monitor uh, is there, and he tries to kill everyone again. And everyone gets red eyes, and Steve Trevor gets power. It, it goes on and on and on. And then at the end, everything's back to normal, uh, except Jessica Cruz is now a Green Lantern instead of an evil powering person. 
And uh, Jeff Johns has set up the Three Jokers uh, event, which is actually coming out this week. So, yeah. Hmm. So, uh, so that's what it's about. Um, <laughs> so, and to discuss this event, I am joined by my usual host, um, co-host Mike Garvey. Hi, Mike. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us for this episode. Mm. Episode. We'll call it an episode. Yeah. And <laughs> we are also joined by Rob Myers, who's from the Everybody Loves the Drake, the Tim Drake podcast, and the Young Justice podcast. And uh, yeah, hey Rob, how you going? Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. This is going to be a fun discussion, I believe. <laughs> That's one word starting with F, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Whoa, hey. Hey, hey, hey. It's all right, we're Australian, we're allowed to. Oh, okay, well, I, I know better, so darn it. <laughs> so, Mike, what do you think were the best bits for you, the exciting bits, the bits in went, ooh, I like that. The interesting bit for me was that I got the chance to revisit this story, and I remember enjoying it a lot more the first time I read it. Um, as opposed to reading it this time, because it's just, it's a little bit over the top. Uh, as the story progresses, there's more and more stacked on top of what's happening. It, like, by the time we get to part seven, we've got an evil Superman. We've got the crime syndicate reformed. Uh, then we have the Green Lantern Corps turning up. And then we've got um, Apocalypse turning up, who's now got the power of Darkseid, and he's got an army of parademons there, and it just stacks on top of each other the more the story goes along. Uh, so that was kind of interesting and a little bit frustrating as well, but it was cool to see Jeff Johns trying to basically sort of wrap up his entire run with this volume of the Justice League uh, with one... Because I think he was moving on to other things by the time... Uh, this was coming around. So, um, yeah, it was like his big grand finale swan song almost. So, um, yeah, there was a lot going on in this story. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Rob? What, what, what stood out to you as um, really good bits? Uh, the good bits, I think, come out, I mean, not trying to be the Batman guy just because I'm the Robin guy, but I, I think Batman sitting in the Mobius chair was the big one, like, oh, you know, Morrison kind of establishes, you know, the bat god, if if you will, or whatever. Like, Batman knows all and can be all and see all. And now, literally, Batman can know all and be all and see all. So I was like, all right, that's interesting. If you had put all seven members of the Justice League and said, all right, which one of the which one of these members of the League is going to sit in the chair? Nobody's going to go, Mr. Miracle. I think you would probably gravitate towards Batman. I could maybe have seen Wonder Woman sitting in the chair, but... That going into him, you know, asking questions and getting to want to know the identity of the Joker, and then now just having read uh, about said Joker or too many Joker things going on, three Jokers, um, <laughs> to know that that's where the seeds were pulled out of. I thought mm. that that was a, a really interesting bit, and then to see where um, Johns and Fabok changed course and said, okay, we took that idea of three Jokers, and now it's its own thing. That and I really liked the Mr. Miracle bits all the way throughout. He has always been one of those characters where I'm constantly going, oh, I want to know a little bit more about Mr. Miracle. But for whatever reason, I, I don't I don't go out and go get more Mr. Miracle. But he's a character when I see him in books. I'm like, oh, yeah, Mr. Miracle, Big Barter. You know, that all ties in. So I really liked the inclusion of Scott in this, but I, I will agree that I felt like we just kept adding and adding. I think you just could have added Mr. Miracle and Big Barda 
and that could have been about it and left out all of the the Green Lantern stuff. But I read it the first time. I had the reverse reaction that you had. I read it the first time and was like, "Wow, this is way too much," and I could feel <laughs> I could feel like I couldn't even half process it at the time. And I felt mm. like this was Jeff Johns trying to go, hey, and I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I put these fancy colors up here. Now, yeah. reading, now reading it for the second time, I was like, okay, I can get it. Now, hindsight being 2020, he was probably going, all right, I'm going to finish this off, and I've got this idea called Rebirth that's going to start. So he had to start planting the seeds for that. So I have a feeling mm. this probably could have gone an additional norm i don't like saying this but additional five to six issues maybe oh god (laughs) but i think i think there could have been more more story in this that he it felt like we really tried to cram an awful lot this kind of felt like this could have been a two a two-year three-year story potentially Mm. I find it's a story that, you know, Jeff Johns has a whole bunch of tools in his writing uh, drawer that he can pull out, and I feel like in this one he only used the tool bombast. It's just so <laughs> ridiculously yeah. bombastic. Yeah. 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 yeah, like it just gets, you know, bigger and bigger, and everyone gets glowing red eyes, and everything explodes, and babies turn up and blow things up, and, you know, there's just, you know, there's so many um, people killing gods in this. It's just insane. And then you get shazam god baby thing happening at the end um Mm -hmm. it really does it it, it's like a runaway train it is out of control and it never really (laughs) has time to breathe or you know have any deep moments it's like um he he put all the cool moments back to back in a row and uh, because of that nothing is cool it it just feels a bit like that it's it's too much it really is too much of a story yeah that's that's kind of how i felt about it uh, and, and Rob, I think you raise an interesting point that yeah, if, if it had gone, if it had had more space to breathe, um, and wasn't so compacted into like one block, uh, yeah, it probably would have been a little bit more enjoyable. But yeah, I, I, I agree with Paul as well in that it's just like, hey, we've got you know these eleven issues, oh, and we've got a special, oh, and you know <laughs> a bunch of the main characters are giving their own one shots that shows them with their new godly powers. And it's like, oh, come on, just. <laughs> Now, I want to try a joke out. I'm going to see if this works. This is either going to fail or I am a huge Kiss fan. So um, I know that in Australia, Kiss was a huge deal. And maybe they still are in the 80s or whatever. Are you talking about the band or having a Kiss? Either either or. You can can watch the band and (laughs) get a Kiss at the same time. I think Gene Simmons will allow that. Uh, but he but he has to watch. But I feel like this is whatever band you want to say playing all their greatest hits right at the same time. But with Kiss, that's launching every single firework they have in their arsenal, and you just go, "Holy <laughs> crap!" Like I I wanted. Can't you play Shandy for like two seconds and and bring it down just just yeah. a little? So I, that's yeah. kind of to go back to what you guys were saying i felt like bombastic it, that was the whole issue or the series yeah. of issues like over and over and over and over again mm. yeah. Yeah, they and, rock and roll all night but they don't party out do it part of every day <laughs> <laughs> i and i was also frustrated with the 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 dark side war special and that you I, I just felt like um we, we kind of had the, the main story then we had a break uh, i think it was around part uh six or just before part six, uh, where it had all the one-shots. And then it goes back into the main story. And then right towards the end, we get the Dark Side Wars 
special, which gives us all the backstory on Marina Black and her daughter Grail. Mm -hmm. And it just felt like the tempo was kind of like, oh, going up and up and up, oh, and now we're going to slow it down a bit, and then we're going to focus on these other guys, then we're going to ramp it up, oh, oh, and now here's some information you possibly should have had a little bit earlier. And Mm -hmm. I just found the, the, the pacing of it a little bit more frustrating than I would have liked. And and yeah, I by the time I got to it, part seven of this, I was rolling my eyes with, yeah, all the bombastic stuff going on. I was just like, oh God, who else is going to show up now? And I was looking for a kitchen sink in one of the panels because it wouldn't have surprised me if John's had thrown that <laughs> as well because he gave it his best damn shot. Yeah, I mean, ostensibly, this is a sequel to everything that Jeff Johns has been doing in the New 52. So he's done his um, Trinity War, he's done Forever Evil, and this is sort of where it was all leading. Um, Yeah, but uh, right at the end, he does chuck in a couple of teasers to what's to come. And one is very oblique, but I think it it is pretty much a teaser for the Doomsday Clock, um, Mm -hmm. because the Mebius chair is on the moon with uh, our man in it, and then there's some sort of pinging frantically from the chair and then our man's gone um so you know we can assume that's dr manhattan because of everything that's coming um well well the big blue uh, big flash of blue light was like the big hint i guess so yeah 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 yeah. and then they were gone yeah yeah they should have had a big shot of blue penis on one of the panels (laughs) you would have known for sure yeah 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 (laughs) And the other thing that came out of it, as as Rob said, was the three Jokers, which is basically Batman sitting in the chair, what's uh, the Joker's real name? <gasps> he gets told there's three Jokers. And then he doesn't do any follow-up questions while he's sitting in a chair that knows the answer to everything, which is fairly frustrating. But, I mean, it makes for a good miniseries one day. Um, well, hopefully. I mean, I read the first part, and it was pretty good. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, launching from this, well... Pretty much Jeff Johns draws on Jeff Johns stuff when he translates things into other media. So um, it's a safe bet that Jessica Cruz will be a lantern pops up in something soon. Um, there is a, a Green Lantern TV show in pre-production, I believe. So mm-hmm. we can expect to see her there. The Three Jokers, of course, is going to become one of those timeless DC books that they um, you know reprint and reprint and reprint. Um, and the Doomsday Clock is another one of those, though it doesn't make much sense. But there it is. Um, yeah, so I think I think it does actually launch a fair bit. But as far as continuity, it's really frustrating because it's so New 52, and then it's you're just not sure what carries on. Like at the end, Barter and uh, Scott Free can't be together, but I don't know where that continues or stops or anything. There's I, a Mr. Miracle um, I don't think it went maxi-series that doesn't pick that up at all. Yeah, some of the continuity just gets left behind. Lex Luthor is now... Um, sort of evil god or something i, I don't know <laughs> it's just yeah where did this all get resolved i don't know where it all ended and, and then there was the the whole uh, story seeds of diana wonder woman having a twin brother uh, yep. and i had to had to do some research because i actually um stopped reading wonder woman for a while but yeah apparently there was a storyline where grail and her twin jason did turn up Yes, um, yeah. and, and that was, and I, I went looking for those issues, and unfortunately, that's in the chunk uh, where I was, had stopped reading <laughs> Wonder Woman for a while. So I was like, ah, yeah. oh, I, I can't. But apparently, yes, it, it that that did continue on for a bit as well. So in, that was cool, I guess. Yeah, and in the final pages of issue fifty, you get the uh, first appearance of the Solar Flare from Superman, which is actually starting his death, which is going to bring in mm. uh, the rebirth. Superman, who is always here on this Earth in the New 52. So when one Superman dies, the original pre-New 52 Superman 
takes its place. So that's where the seeds for this start as well. Oh, wow. So if you go into issue, because I think this goes 52 issues, because it's a new 52, then Rebirth starts. So in the next Mm. two issues, you have the death of the new 52 Superman, and then you get the miniseries of Lois and Clark, and then you see from the perspective of the Clark Kent Superman is there for all of the major events. He sees them fight Darkseid for the first time. He sees Forever Evil, and then he witnesses this and realizes he can't stay in hiding anymore and officially becomes Superman. Oh, wow. Right. Dropping the knowledge there, Rob. Thank you. Good night. It's been fun, guys. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's our show. Leave on a high note. Let's play a promo, and then we'll do some scoring, eh? In April of 1940, at DC Comics, with Bob Kane... Bill Finger, and Jerry Robinson would introduce the world to the first sidekick, Dick Grayson, a.k.a. Robin, the Boy Wonder, in issue 38 of Detective Comics. With the first year of Batman's crime fighting under his utility belt, the editors at DC wanted a way to bring in younger readers to their books. They wanted to give them a POV into Batman's character and a hero they could relate with and see themselves swing across Gotham City streets alongside Batman. Robin was the window. Over the last eight decades, there have been many incarnations of Batman's trusted partner. From the comics, TV, silver screen, video games, animation, and toys, Robin has been at Batman's side in his or her classic look of red, green, yellow, and black. This year, in 2020, we will see DC Comics celebrating the 80th anniversary of Robin, And so will Terrence, Ryan, and myself here on the podcast. Every other episode this year, well, (laughs) as long as Rob can keep everything straight, will have us following Tim Drake in the 1990s-2000s DC timeline. The following episode, we will be joined by a selection of special guests throughout 2020. The guests will be selecting their favorite Robin in a story that connects them to the character. It could be a comic, movie, animation... Hey, wait... So, like, uh, we, could we be reading Red Hood and the Outlaws on this show? Or Nightwing? Yeah, that's the idea. Whoa, 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 Wait, so you're opening the door to not just Tim Drake, but any Robin? Yeah. So does that mean Rick Grayson? Yeah, like the new 52 Helena Wayne, Robin of Earth 2? Heck, even the pre-crisis Robin of Earth 2? Or, dare I even say, Damien? Batman Forever? 1950s Detective and Batman Stories? Batman 66 episode? Batgirl Stephanie Brown? Teen Titans Robin with Wolfman and Perez? Jeff Johns and... Oh no. No. Scott Lobdell? No! Okay. Uh, while I give my co-hosts a minute or so to digest all of this information, you can find our show, Robin Everyone Loves the Drake Comic Podcast, through the BatmanUniverse.net podcasting network also available on apple podcasts or wherever you traditionally listen to your podcasts from now if you'll excuse me i think terrence might need a bottle of water or maybe a paper bag no new 52 it's gonna be okay terrence it's gonna be okay change of tim drake's origin don't worry terrence crazy red robin costume it's gonna be okay uh, maybe it won't happen All right, now it's the part of the show where we score, and the way we do this is there's three of us. We've got uh, four different categories. We give a score of 10 each. That makes 120. That doesn't work as a nice, even score, so one of us gets our score hard. That will be me, me this week. Don't worry about it. Our categories are eventiness, writing, art and covers, legacy, and impact. So 
Mm, Rob. <laughs> mm, <laughs> Rob. Yes. Rob, what have you got for eventiness? What What do you score it, and what's the reasons for your score? I believe I had put a five. So I was right in the middle. It's like, oh, neither wrong nor right. I felt like there was a lot of stuff in here. Like, I think you can read this by itself, pull off the, you know, the... Uh, the Dark Side War off the shelf and just read it as a newbie and just take it for the bombasticness that it is. But it, knowing what we know now that Rebirth was right around the corner and the New 52 was ending, it doesn't really do anything other than say, hey, here's the story about the Justice League and everybody else fighting Dark Side. It just kind of, it's, it's not horrible, but it's, it's not moving anything forward because everything was stopping and we're taking a right turn. Mm. Mm. What about you, Mike? Um, I gave it a seven because um, it, it's it's a big deal and there is a lot of – we keep saying the word bombastic, but it's true. Um, there was a lot going on. There were The stakes kept getting raised and uh, there was all this stuff going on. But I took points off because it was pretty much just contained within the Justice League book. I, I can't recall there being any effects of this, you know, of these new gods appearing and this massive god fight going on. I can't recall it affecting anywhere else in the DCU at the time. So, um, and that was probably because, as, as Rob just mentioned, that, you know, the New 52 was wrapping up. So everyone else at the time was probably like, hey, let's just sort out our own plot threads and tie everything up nice, nice and neatly. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was a seven for me. Okay. Yeah, I'm actually going to go a six because I think as an event it doesn't um, doesn't have traditional event structure, and I think that's because the story would have been so disruptive to um, the ongoing events of the Flash comic or Wonder Woman comic or whatever, um, because it is really well, it's also nuts and everyone's getting changed <laughs> so drastically uh, in such a short space of time. So I think event-wise, it's it's probably a six. Um, it holds together better because it doesn't go out into all these little titles all over the place. But because of that, it, it doesn't feel like um, a company-wide event. Um, because, I mean, it is a really big story, and I basically had to include it because of what comes out of it. So, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. All right, Mike, what about the writing? Um, I'm going to give it a four for the writing, Ooh. which I know is pretty harsh, but I, I have to be honest, by the time I got to part seven and part eight, I was really bored with it, even though there were lots of things going on, but that's part of the problem as well. There is so much going on and the pacing of it, I, I had issues with, especially, you know, uh, we, we get the main story ramping up and then it's, oh, let's go and look at what each individual new god in power endowed person uh, is now doing and dealing with. And then we ramp back up with the main story. Oh, and then we get some, you know, background information on Myrina and Grail. Uh, oh, and then we finish it all off. It was the, the pacing just drove me nuts. And, and yeah, for all the, all the action that was going on, the, the story, I, I just, by the time I got to, to part seven and eight, I was like, are we there yet? Is it <laughs> over yet? Can we please move on? So mm. yeah, four harsh. I know, but yeah. Oh, yeah. I No, I gave it more. I gave it a seven because I think Jeff does a really good job of tying together all his stuff. So, you know, there's a bit of um, culmination of uh, his Green Lantern running here. There's the stuff he was building with um, Justice League, of course. 
there's all the Injustice League stuff from the other universe. There's he's changing the mythos of um, the new gods to have a connection to the Anti Monitor because um, I mean the big deal here is the Anti Monitor has the Anti Life equation inside him. Um, mm. So yeah, it, it, it's a pretty clever way of bringing everything together and uh, you know this story has much more impact if you've read all of his uh, new 52 uh, justice league but i mean i also remember you know if you've read the green lantern stuff there's there's the hint of jessica cruz coming and she'll be the greatest green lantern of them all and things like that so (laughs) i'm so glad that earth got another green lantern you know we just have enough (laughs) right (laughs) kyle john stewart how i'm sorry (laughs) Earth, Green, Lantern, Lives Matter. Yeah. Um, God. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. That shouldn't have been out. That should not have been out loud. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. I think it's it's a good exercise of plotting. I don't think it's a good exercise of writing. But I'm going to have to give it a seven because I mean it is skillful. Um, but yeah, the effect of it is just a bit. It's a bit like all the the trumpets and going off at once. Yeah. What do you think, Rob? And. I'm I'm so bad at remembering. I, as I was writing all this down before, I can't tell if I wrote a seven or if I wrote a nine. I think um, you wrote an eight. I read okay. Then was, I'm somewhere in the middle. So, it, I really I was the new fifty two was my re doorway or my doorway again into reading comics after about a ten year period. So mm-hmm. as much as I have problems with the new fifty two, I still really like it. It's almost like my second golden age of comics again and since the new 52 i've maintained 14 15 books consistently up up till up till recently so it's it's made me a comic collector again and all that stuff so i like it for that and i've been a fan of the stuff that jeff johns has done so like you said if you've been reading what jeff johns has been doing through the new 52 this is a a really metallica version of a swan song (laughs) to, to to end on you know but um because of what Jeff John has, has been able to craft in the new 52 and shine lights on characters. Like I said, at the beginning seeing Mr. Miracle, I never would have thought in the new 52, we were going to see, you know, Mr. Miracle that it did sound like Mr. Miracle and big Barda. So I, I will agree with you that I think plotting wise, it, it's an eight writing. It's probably not an exercise of what to do to not play all your hit singles all in a row. But, uh, I do really like the button he put on the end of it and said, all right, the new 52 is essentially done. So if you've been reading Justice League through issue one through issue 50, you can kind of see all the plot threads that he was trying to weave together and manage to land the ship effectively. It may not be the best landing in the world, but like they say, any landing you can walk away from is a good landing. So I give it a name. <laughs> wow. All right, let's move on to the art. I think the art is great. I think um, Jathan Fabok has done an amazing job, and um, yeah, he was inking himself as well, which is really impressive. And you know, he has a lot to draw. And I don't think the book, um, the run, flags at all. Like I think art-wise, it's strong throughout. Yeah. Um, do you agree, Rob? I agree. I'm 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 a I'm a seven only because he wasn't the constant like. I'm a huge Jason Fabok fan, so he's one of those he can do no wrong in in my eyes. 
But yeah. being that there were some other issues that were drawn by other people, so I would say Fabok alone would be an eight or a nine. I think his art is just flawless. But there were a few, if you count the one shots, and then some issues have two or three artists doing it. So that's why I said seven because it wasn't primarily Fabok, but his art alone I think really elevates the story. But I, that's something I do have a problem with. If you have an artist, try and write your story so you have one art artist to be able to maintain that continuity. When you start flipping pages and artists are doing two and three different panels, it kind of takes you out of it. So that's why it was a seven art overall. But if I was going by individual artists, I would give Fabok an eight. Ooh. And Mike? Uh, yeah, similar points to Rob. Uh, Faye Bock, in, in my eyes, can do no wrong. He, he's a great artist. Um, but, yeah, uh, with the fact that some of the, well, the one-shots and some of the issues in the main storyline were done by Francis Manipal, um, I found it a bit jarring to go from Faye Bock style to Manipal style, and I love both their Yes. Uh, but but Manipal has a very different style um, and ha- uses a lot... Um, I think uh, Manipal does his own colors as well, yes. if I recall correctly. Yeah. Yeah. But his, his his color palette is not as bright and as sharp as, as the one used in the Faybok issues. It's a lot more muted colors and a lot more blended sort of stuff. Uh, and they really stand out uh, apart from each other, which um, is jarring a bit, but also really great to see them both, <laughs> you know, coming out with such great artwork. Some of the one shots, uh, like, eh, yeah, yeah. They, they were okay. Um, but I'm, I'm giving the art and covers an eight. Um, it would have been a seven, like like Rob. But Doc Shana was involved in one of the one shots. I love Doc Shana's art, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, it, it became an eight for me. Yeah, that was hard to score that one. Because, um, mm-hmm. yeah. like you yeah. said, I like all of those artists together. If you would have had a Faybach yeah. and a Jim Lee together doing art, their art is similar enough. But when you do, yes. you have too far left and too far right, while both are equally good it's it's clashing um thematically for me yeah yeah uh, now rob what do you think of the impact and legacy of it how would you score that seven yeah i gave it seven <laughs> yeah that probably for the same reasons i think I, this seven ties back to the eventness it just it didn't really it's it's not going anywhere. It's it's telling a good story. The the impact and the legacy that it has is that this is just the end of this particular road. So the only impact that it has, if you read Superman number one or whatever, yeah, Superman number one in Rebirth, to say, oh, how did we get here? You would go, oh, well, just because the end of the Dark Side War, that Superman died, and this is that Superman. That that's all you really need to know. So it doesn't carry itself any farther. You're not going to read, you know, Superman 5 million and go, oh, this is actually a plot thread that goes clear back to the, you know, dark side war, you know, 45 years ago. It's <laughs> it's it's not going to be that thing. That's not saying it won't be an enjoyable read for whoever that is, but it doesn't it's not doing anything because, like I said, we were we were at the end of the road. Mm. Mm. And what do you think, Mike? Um, yeah, similar thoughts, uh, except I gave it a five. It, 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 hap- it happened. It was fairly self-contained just within the Justice League book. Um, and yeah, it's cool that the main cast are getting all these godlike powers, but you knew that it was all going to revert back to normal at the end because yeah, we're getting towards the end of, um, new 52. It's all going to wrap up. It's, it's kind of like, 
the, the end of the line sort of thing. Um, and yes, there were story seeds planted, like with the, the three Jokers and, and Dana's twin and that. But yeah, it, it, as you said earlier, Bob, it wasn't like a, a line-wide thing. So it, I gave it a five because it was fairly self-contained. Mm-hmm. Well, I gave it a nine just because I think... Um, the stuff that came from it. I mean, Jeff Johns has such an important role in the DC universe um, that, you know, the stuff he sets up is, you know, like the, it's the top of the pile and he sets up, you know, a little bit of Doomsday Clock, a little bit of Rebirth. Uh, you know, we've even had Wally West riding around in the Mobius chair lately. So, <laughs> right. Um, in, a, in, in a story I don't really want to read. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of his, um, you know, volleys got, you know, they got smashed across the net after this. Um, and Jessica Cruz has become such an important lantern. Um, and of course, the three Jokers is going to be one of the biggest stories of the decade. So for that reason, I'm going to give it a nine just because Jeff Johns is, you know, still in charge of things. So the stuff he sets in motion, um, always, uh, has legs, I guess. So, and because he has such a tie to, um, what gets produced and, you know, if you look at what's happening in Stargirl uh, as a TV show, it's all Jeff John stuff. It's the non-stop Jeff John show. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really does have quite a long legacy and an impact beyond what's going on now. So, hmm. But I think that gives us all our scores now. So I'm going to use some maths powers and add Ooh. them all up. Ooh, so, so Rob, you gave them, uh, your totals was 27. Mike, your total was 24. And my total was a 30, but I halved that to 15 because I'm the semi-OCD for this one. Uh, that gives me 15, and then we add them up, so we can... Blah, 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 blah. 66. 66. Wow. Mm. So um, looking on our table, uh, this is ranked uh, equal 19th on the table with uh, Day of Judgment. So another Jeff Johns one. Oh, wow. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not right at the top, but it's, uh, respectively in the middle. Um, that's interesting. We thought Forever Evil and Trinity War were better than this. So, I think that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Better stories, but, uh, yeah, le- probably less impact. Anyway, so, uh, if you want to see our scores on the ladder, uh, that's over at waitingfordoom.com, our website, which is named after our main podcast. Um, yeah, but we might, uh, look at some feedback now. And looking at the feedback, we got a comment on our last show, which was Multiversity, from Jack Rocha. And he said, Multiversity has had an arguably significant impact during the New 52 and beyond. As mentioned in the podcast, Snyder has been honouring the Multiversity legacy by the most by creating the negative Dark Multiverse. Uh, recent books that have spun out of the Dark Multiverse include Metal, the short-lived New Age of Heroes series, The Batman Who Laughs, The Tales from the Dark Multiverse books, Flash Forward, and now Death Metal. Also, I find the Multiversity Guidebook comes in handy when reading the current Green Lantern book by Morrison. I believe that Multiversity's legacy has even greater potential in allowing writers to create stories in any of the 52 universes. For example, Earth-1 spawned six stories so far, with a new one coming out on July 28th, which is uh, Green Lantern's second one, uh, telling stories in the hyper-grounded Earth. Uh, the Earth 2 has a more successful 32-issue run with two annuals and one special. I hope to see more writers being allowed to utilise these 52 universes in future stories if death metal does not end the status quo. Thanks, Jack. Yeah, there is a lot going on. Anyway, that's all we've got from this show. Thank you for joining me, Rob. Um, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. I've got a Facebook page, uh, Rob and Everyone Loves the Drake. 
uh, at Facebook. And then our newest endeavor, I'm trying my hand at a blog spot. So you can find us at everyoneloveswithedrake.blogspot.com. And what about you, Mike? Where do people find you if they want to find uh, you? They can find me on Twitter at AvantGarb. They can also find me over at uh, WeddingForDoom.com where we uh, host uh, the Waiting for Doom podcast all about the Doom Patrol, uh, the Gary Show where Paul and I talk about anything and everything, uh, and, of course, DCOCD where we talk about all the DC events. And I'm glad I made it through this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of which, next event we're looking at will be Convergence, which also oh. started in Twitter. 2015, so that's another gateway one. And I think next on the feed, it might be a Waiting for Doom, Mike. Yeah. 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 All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.